The eHealth Insights podcast is an exciting opportunity to learn about the key developments in digital health in Australia and internationally. Tune in to stay up to date with the latest eHealth Insights and news from the Telstra Health team. Telstra Health acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and recognises their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Digital connectivity and information sharing across care settings is key to enhancing the patient and clinician experience and delivering better care outcomes. And clinical safety needs to be central to the technology that enables this. In this eHealth Insights episode, you can hear from Telstra Health's Chief Health Officer, Dr. Monica Trujillo, and Chief Technology Officer, Farhud Salimi, discuss why we need a clinically safe, connected health ecosystem and the innovations that are helping to create this. Monica and Farhud, thanks so much for joining. Great. Thanks for having us. Hi, Pete. Thanks for having us. Thanks for joining the conversation. Firstly, set the scene. Tell us a little bit more about yourselves. Fahud, firstly, can you introduce yourself? Thanks, Pete. I'm Fahud Salimi. I'm the Chief Technology Officer at Telstra Health. Prior to Telstra Health, I was an Executive Director at eHealth New South Wales for 15 years, working in the public system in delivering digital solutions for healthcare. Glad to be here today and discussing this topic. Thank you, Fahud. And Monica? Thanks for having us. I'm officially Chief Health Officer and most recently as well, I look after our enterprise solutions and growth. So that means that I have two wonderful teams. One is clinical safety and research and clinical innovation. And then I have a team that looks after our enterprise growth and solutions as well and ecosystem. We're talking a lot around this topic around creating a clinically safe, connected healthcare ecosystem. And Fahud has touched on right in your introduction that you've had a lot of experience in understanding the extent in which the healthcare system is connected. But set the scene firstly, how has that evolved over the last decade or so? I guess um, in Australia over the last 10 to 15 years since I've been involved, We've been predominantly focused on establishing most of our infrastructure and foundational platforms. So these things are, I guess, things like our EMR platforms, our electronic medical records platforms, as well as the connectivity across our rural and regional hospitals to connect back into the centre. So really building the foundational systems for us to be able to then fast track digital connected health. It's probably fair to say that in the middle of all that, we got a bit distracted for about two to three years. So as we were going through to work on the integration and interoperability, we had this pandemic that came through, which really pushed or pulled forward the sort of personalization aspect. Um, Patients and citizens started taking more of a focus around that personalized health aspect of it, which really has, I guess, to some extent, put some pressure on that whole integration and interoperability component being front and center and having to fast track that a little bit. So I think at the moment where we're just really at that point where we're trying to get all these things connected in a consistent and safe manner to be able to fast track that consumer-driven healthcare. I want to come in a second to what we would need to do to get there, but I want to bring a bit more of that consumer element to what you've said and the focus that Monica has on things. From your experience as a clinician, Monica, and also from the clinical informatics side, what role does clinical safety play in all of that through that journey? It's a great question. And the answer is the role is major. So if you think about what we're trying to do by digitizing, we're trying to join the data points together, right? We're trying to do that so that patients can have safer care. 
And in the meantime, they were looking at, from a safety perspective, that whole data and information sort of supply chain and how we do that safe. The difference to the normal tech is during healthcare, we're dealing with very sensitive information as well. So we want to make mm-hmm. sure that anything that touches the information, and I'll put it in two aspects. One is the clinician facing. So there's things about information sharing and decision support and availability, but also the consumer side, which is what Fahud was mentioning before these days, more about self-management, but also my data is the one that I want to share with whoever it is. We have to have a very robust system to ensure that the whole data supply and flow is safe and the whole game is that avoidable patient harm, right? That's what we're only here to do. So that's why it's so important. And so then with that context around the main aim there, Fahud, that moniker is outlined, how far off do you think we are in doing that? What, what do we need to do to build that more connected care ecosystem? I think if we take the conversation to that next level of detail and look into some of the trends we're seeing across our system in Australia and more broadly globally and what we've essentially heard from our customers, we've got a couple of items or a couple of areas we can look at. I think if you look at the sort of the aging population in Australia and the growing chronic disease burden, what we're seeing is that I guess one in five Australians will be over 65 over the next few decades and that's a statistic from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare and that growth is going to be mostly during this decade and that's compounded by I guess people living a bit longer and the delayed backlog due to obviously the pandemic that we spoke about earlier which basically leads to increasing chronic disease rates such as diabetes, heart disease, mental health and otherwise and that's really put a strain on our healthcare system. So our customers are telling us that they need our systems to better support them to manage this demand, including better ways of integrating that transfer of care between hospitals, primary and aged care. And they want faster and more efficient ways of discovering where they can find the availability of primary and community care services to help reduce that delay between primary care and aged care and maximise their flow to be able to be a bit more efficient. The other thing that I think is really prevalent at the moment is really the access to healthcare workforce and the workforce shortages that we have at the moment. We have seen obviously throughout the last couple of years that shortage of not only the workforce but also the access to care in remote and rural areas, the increased cost of expenses so people are actually staying away from getting healthcare in the GP setting but also that nationwide GP shortage. So really looking at different models of care in terms of how we adopt virtual care services in that setting with obviously good clinical governance to be able to provide that convenient, cost-effective, safe care back into the community and take obviously patients out of the emergency department setting. And really obviously looking at the emerging standards of technology and data security and interoperability over the last little while, we have actually seen Obviously, the sort of slow rollout of the systems that are interoperable with one another was being recognised by our customers, that they want more open platforms and systems that can actually communicate with one another. They want that up-to-date information that Monica spoke about at the point of care to be able to reform what they're doing in a safe and efficient manner. And we've also got, obviously, more and more jurisdictions wanting to have more open exchanges And that's all underpinned by interoperability and security standards that we need to actually develop and get on board with. So really getting that secure data sharing right from the start. And finally, as we touched on earlier in the conversation, really about empowering patients and consumers to be at the centre of their own care. 
And obviously with the advent of some of the wearables and biometric devices, that whole connected system or connected care with constant continued uptake of fitness trackers and remote patient monitoring takes a bit more of a central approach to connecting that patient information, regular information with patient at the centre and being able to get them to interact with their own record anywhere in any setting to be able to get a better outcome. So I think all those four areas that I touched on are really driving the push to that whole digital connected care to be front and centre over the next couple of years. I agree. And Farhood has framed that up nicely. And I think in understanding those trends and what different stakeholders want in what this future looks like, from your clinical perspective, is that shaping what Telstra Health is doing in this space? Yeah. If you think about the larger area that Telstra Health is, most people don't realise that we sort of operate in, and Paul mentioned, primary care, aged care, Aboriginal services, hospital care, pharmacies and the range of services that we support as well with the National Cancer Screening Register, it is a really key important part of our strategic priorities, which is actually keeping care safe, right? Because while digital solutions, as I mentioned earlier, can really enable all these improvements and we're doing this because we need to move forward. Um, Hood mentioned that health is behind 10 years, I would say like 15 years in some areas, and we really need to move forward. Nonetheless, it does create some different environment in which we have to make sure that we keep that clinical risk framework robust. So that includes all the different areas that the patient data is in, but it also includes the different solutions that are done, but also the different platforms that I mentioned, if that makes sense, and then putting a layer of research and innovation. So that sort of, if I could put that into buckets, and we have, I'm very proud of the work the team has done, is we have launched a new clinical governance framework, and we have that followed by the clinical operating model, which sets standards of how we do product and also how we provide services. So that has the normal safety oversight, it has quality improvement, then we have a deep dive into data security, privacy, but also don't forget innovation, because that's really important to be able to support the best practice and to learn from those best practices along the way. So one of my colleagues was out in WA this week promoting our digital twin submission for WA Health. You know, how do you use information in a clinically safe way to move the agenda forward? I think that's one of those great examples. Oh, it's great to hear those examples. And I reflect on that scene setting that Fahud has provided already. And I think about what some of those barriers or challenges might be in achieving a more connected health ecosystem. And I mean, some of it was implicit in your explanation earlier, Fahud, but if we were to articulate more clearly, like what are the biggest challenges in creating this connected health ecosystem? Yeah, sure. Look, I think I touched on this earlier, but as I mentioned, healthcare systems and technologies have been predominantly a black box solution. They all use different formats and standards and they don't really in the past have shared data very extensively. And every time you wanted to integrate a system A to a system B, you would have to call the supplier or the vendor in from both sides of the camp and throw some effort and time behind both sides to be able to get those two systems to talk to one another. So really getting that standards for data sharing across the different platforms up and running is probably the first big challenge. Also, it's not just about the standards, the specifications of how we exchange data. So, you know, the APIs or whatever you want to call it, 
but also that common terminology that needs to be widely adopted so we can actually translate data from information from system A to system B and do that accurately with some sort of standard terminology that we can all agree on. Once you've done that, I think there's also an element to make sure that we can actually map the right information to the right person in the right setting to make sure it's safe. We sort of need put in place common directories and identifiers so we can actually do that and make sure things are actually flowing in the right direction. And obviously enabling better information exchange through the use of health information exchanges or HIEs and removing those walls around the silos of information that I said around our core systems. All that needs to be done in a safe and secure and consent-driven manner. And once you've got all those technical components and barriers removed, I think really then simplifying or thinking about simplifying some of our regulation within both the state and federal level to align a little bit easier so we can actually share across our jurisdiction and borders. But at the same time, then also tightening the alignment or the requirement to alignment for the standards. So that way, ensuring that all the providers are actually complying with these standards that allows that minimum requirement for data sharing to happen seamlessly across all of our platforms and systems in the market. So I think if you get the technical stuff together, then there is a bit of compliance and regulation and cleaning up that needs to happen also to make sure that that all comes together and actually gets us to where we need to get to. Yeah, I reflect on the answer that for Hood gave Monica and, you know, challenges on one hand, there are some technical components that stuff needs to work together, but it sounds like then a lot more of it is around the points that he shared around data security and the regulations and things that kind of I would align often with, with the clinical governance side. So I guess from your perspectives, when it comes to clinical governance, what have you noticed that are some of the key challenges that Australia faces in achieving this? It's a great question because when we looked at, and I mentioned before the clinical governance framework, and when we looked wide across what has been published in that particular area and what the policy, and if I stick to policy and regulation first, because I think that's where, you know, Fahud um, was finishing as well, there's nothing really in Australian regulations around some of the requirements of clinical governance in digital health. The only ones are international, so that's one challenge. So for us, if you go live with something digital in the UK, for example, you have to have clinical safety case, and that's part of your regulatory environment. Here in Australia, don't require that. So those that do it is practicing their standards, but it's not a requirement. I think we need to look around and one, move to policy and regulation and standardisation because for those areas, we really need to work on one standard. So that's one big area. Two is a really important one, and I think you've heard me say about this, I don't know how many times, but it's about a capable workforce so it's about really supporting our health workforce that we can't give them complex to complex solutions, things that make their whole work worse. We have to work on giving them something that is usable, safe, and that they trust. And a way to build trust is to have a robust clinical governance framework around that. And then thirdly, to build trust, and the most important is that whole question of patients, their carers and their loved ones, you know, who owns the data? You could do a whole podcast on who owns the data as well. <laughs> if you look at the global trends as well and where we are and the journey that we've been into, I've been with my dad taking him through to some health journey at the moment. And even for someone who's truly engaged in his care, he doesn't have access to his information, he doesn't speak English, and he's so vulnerable. And this is a professor of engineering, his left to the wild of what he does with his own data as well. So that third thing is we really need to work on data that we already have 
make the most of it, connect the data points, but always really focus on patients and their loved ones and our consumers because that's where, going back to a point, that's what really matters. So well articulated and that's what we need to be doing right now. I'll stick with you, Monica, for a second because I think then how's that going to shape what things look like in the future when it comes to clinical safety? What, what do you think is the next big thing when it comes to clinical safety? Of course, what's the next big thing? It's AI and chat GPT, <laughs> But in all seriousness, if we think about what's coming next, in clinical safety, it's all about minimising risk. So as we move forward, I've seen some areas be really worried about embracing it. I think it's just putting a framework and making sure you minimise the risk around AI and those models that can support a clinician provide that individual care. So it is those models of virtual health with a virtual scribe where you have your consultation and something similar to ChatGPT provides a summary that is then sent to the other providers and your own record or whether it is supporting a junior doctor who, I've been in that, you just spend your whole time trying to work on discharge summaries, but it can make it easier to summarise what's important it makes a difference and it makes real difference as well. So in all seriousness, I do think that will make a huge change. Mm. You know, what you've said there in terms of where those emerging trends are, and we know that different stakeholders will want to go down that path, whether it's from a patient's perspective, having more access to data or from a clinician side wanting to use more AI powered tools. I almost feel like the role of clinical governance, if it's to be taken seriously or be successful in its implementation, isn't necessarily going to be to dictate what you can and can't do in terms of the tools and modalities, but to provide that framework, as you say, or the guardrails so that the care can be provided with confidence and the ability to use some of these innovative tools. Is it, am I kind of on the right track there? A hundred percent. So clinical governance is there to actually enable trust so that you are able to trust what is given to you and that's done through a framework. So you're 100% on point because that's what it's all about. So that when I use it, the best sign of a good clinical governance is that then it's no issues. You don't want to find out about issues in clinics. So it's just a bit like cyber, right? If it's up in an issue, it's because something's happened. So that's the best thing is that clinical governance is all there so that you can use and trust what you're using. Hmm. So following up what Monica just said around the use of AI, I think personally there's the assistive sort of AI technology such as the large language models like ChatGPT. I think there is a bit of work that we have to do in terms of how we make sure that the data, as Monica said, or the advice is essentially trusted. So as in it's coming from trusted data sources rather than obviously what's publicly available in the internet domain. So you need to make sure those data sources are you know, solid, is trusted and can provide the right advice. But on the back end of things around population health analytics and algorithmic sort of decisions around those, as well as applying AI models to those, I think there's probably a significant amount of opportunity there as well in some of the work that we're looking to look at in the near future and our product sets on both those accounts. But certainly, Monica's right, it is about providing the guidance and the framework and the trust in those platforms and systems so they can be used effectively. And building on that a little bit more then, I'd love to know, because we've talked about the state of connected care and the importance and the challenges. What is next for Telstra Health in helping build a more connected healthcare ecosystem? Yeah, look, going back to the whole connected health topic, if you look at our history at Telstra Health, we're really um, focused on making sure our digital platform have interoperable standards built in at the core of them to make sure that we can actually empower our customers to deliver that better connected healthcare experience for their patients. 
to give you, I guess, some specific examples of what we have coming up or what's already just been released, our new virtual health platform that was really developed from the ground up to be fire native. It's an enhanced platform that both allows the healthcare providers and patients to be able to use this secure and scalable solution on any device in any setting. So it's mobile enabled. It can be utilized in any form or any shape to be able to connect patients to clinicians on a virtual care setting. Some of our other hospital setting products, we're looking to bridge the silos of our workflows and the data sources in the hospital care platform solution. So our Telstra Health Cure PaaS, which is going to be released soon, is Australia's first fire native Again, mobile-enabled patient administration system. We're also at the same time modernising our Kira clinical platform on the same via native platform, which allows us to bring that entire core hospital system platforms together in alignment on the same data model and have that as an open fire standard model. If we talk about our primary care platforms, so Monica touched on that a little bit. So our Helix platforms around the medical director we're releasing a Helix partner integration platform. This platform opens the sort of medical director and Helix products capabilities to our partners via Common Fire Gateway. This sort of reduces the need of that point-to-point integration, which I spoke about before. And we also have plans to leverage this to enable seamless smart on fire applications on top of it to enable that Helix platform to be a bit more extensible. And then... Um, The one that I'm probably most excited about is really we're in the early stages of building out our Telstra Health HIE and clinical data repository as a gateway to bringing all our platforms together in a consistent and standardized manner. Again, very much going to be fire-based and fire-compliant, and we're considering the first use cases that we're going to deploy on that platform, and we're doing that with some of our customers, and we'll hope to bring some more news about that later in the year. But if I may just touch on... Final point, not technically related, but essentially Telstra Health as an organisation has been really at the forefront of fire technologies, even from the early days in 2016, when we developed our enterprise provider directory on the very, very early versions of this product. So just to sort of continue that progress and process, we're looking to, at the moment, shape the fire standards for Australia in the future. And we're doing that by co-chairing the Department of Health and Aged Care and CSIRO to come up with the standards for fire in Australia and also implement the relevant implementation guides. So really looking forward to keep pushing those standards and the future for healthcare interoperability within Australia. Amazing. Look, it's fascinating to hear all the different parts of the healthcare ecosystem that Telstra Health is involved in and exciting to hear of those innovations that are on the horizon and how involved you are in shaping some of that to create a clinically safe, connected health ecosystem. So Monica Farhood, thank you so much for making the time to take us all through today. Fantastic. Thanks, Pete. Being a pleasure. <laughs> to find out more about Telstra Health, simply go to telstrahealth.com. Make sure you subscribe to the eHealth Insights podcast to stay up to date with the latest news and insights from the Telstra Health team.